All right, if you have your Bibles, turn over to 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3. Um, we've always endeavored to follow the Holy Ghost. Um, and, um, you know, the Lord's not as moved by our traditions as we think He is. And so a lot of times, you know, certain holidays come around and ministries tend to put everything around that holiday. And though there is opportunity for us to do types and shadows because people's thinking's a certain way, but more importantly, we endeavor to just follow the Holy Ghost. And a lot of times, He just has different things He wants to continue to communicate. And so we want to continue to communicate in these veins. And I want to talk to you about the benefits of righteousness. Amen? Because with this, um, there's a way of life that we are to live. And the Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, to seek first the what? Kingdom and His righteousness. And all these things that the world seek will be what? Added to them. And since that's the case, then we need to understand a little bit about righteousness or understand that righteousness has benefits associated with it. And, and I want to talk about those tonight. Because as kingdom citizens, as children of God, people who love God, we want to have a lifestyle that reflects Him. Amen. We want to honor Him. We want to do what He says. We want to serve Him with all of our heart. We want to love Him with all of our heart, our mind, our soul, and our strength. Amen? We want to do this thing. And we got to be excited about it. But there's a benefit to being righteous. Amen? So let's look at uh, 1 John chapter 3, starting in verse 4. And it says this. 1 John chapter 3, verse 4 says, Everyone who practices sin also practices lawlessness. Now, we've said this before, righteousness is not a religious word, but it is a uh, legal word. It means right standing with the governing authority. Now, here's the word sin in 1 John, and it says whoever practices sin also practices lawlessness. So that means you would be, be against the governing authority. What the governing authority is saying, you're wanting to do opposite. Which brings us back to this simple definition we've discovered concerning the uh, sin, because we know Romans chapter 5, it says, through one man's transgression, sin entered the world. That one man being Adam, Adam sinned because he disobeyed God in the beginning when he did not um, listen to him and he ate the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Hallelujah. You see what I'm saying? And so when he did, he ate the fruit, then he just simply disobeyed God. He sinned and he practiced lawlessness. You see what I'm saying? Now, when I say practice, I mean he participated, and the minute the Lord says you eat it, you're, you're done. Now, we are to not have a habitual lifestyle of wanting to go against what God says today. And most people throw the little catchphrase, you know, well, I want to live by grace, you know, don't judge me, you know, don't judge me, because, you know, we're in grace now, it's not about the law. Listen, there's still a law, law being, what does God say? Because the law is simply God speaking to people. Amen. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 5. He said, don't think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. Meaning, don't think that I came to lower a standard of how you're supposed to live. And a lot of times in the church, people have a low standard. They receive Jesus as their Savior and they live life like they aren't in anything. Nothing's really changed. But they just go to church all the time. Or at least when the door opens. Amen. I had said this earlier today, but I'd gotten it in, in the... Um, the Tahoe, when I was coming up, you know, a lot of people uh, don't follow God, but they do go to church. I mean, you can go to church and not follow God. You can be a churchgoer and not be a God follower. But a God follower will go to church because they won't forsake themselves assembling with each other and they know they're part of a body. Okay? And so um, 
people make this statement, you know, that God, Jesus said, I'm not lowering a standard. The law is just God speaking to Moses who wrote it on tablets. And it's called the law. And the prophets only said what they heard God say. So that's what Jesus is saying. So the law is not gone in that sense. The word of the king is still out there. Hallelujah. And he has much to say. Much to say. And we are to not practice sin. That means we are not to live a habitual lifestyle of always going contrary to the word. We are to want to obey him. So he says, everyone who practices sin also practices lawlessness. For And sin is lawlessness. Verse 5. Sin is lawlessness. He goes on and says this. You know that he appeared in order to take away sins. And in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him sins. No one who sins has seen him or knows him. That's powerful. Because, you know, when you read those couple verses, you're thinking, well, nobody's saved then. I mean, you'd almost conclude no one is. Because he says that if you abide in him, see, no one who abides in him sins. Wow. That means can we live a lifestyle not disobeying God? Yes. Which he kind of throws the doctrine out, I'm just a sorry sinner saved by grace. Because they're still calling themselves a sinner that's been saved by grace. I like what one little bumper sticker says when I say I like them. I mean, it's just bunk. It says, saints are just uh, sinners who keep trying. That's ridiculous. Saints are not sinners who keep trying. Saints are saints. Saints should have a way of life that's righteous in following God. They should not be practicers of disobedience. Amen. Citizens of the kingdom and children of God endeavor to want to obey God. They are no longer led by the way they feel or the way their emotions take them. They are led by His Word. Hallelujah. That doesn't mean they don't feel. That doesn't mean they don't have emotions. But they don't allow their emotions to captivate them so that they can't do what God says. Have you seen children? You know, you say, little Melvin, I need you to do this. And he don't want to do it, so he gets overwhelmed with his emotions. <laughs> Starts crying out. And he's stuck in something that's causing him to disobey what you're saying. Amen. It doesn't change. You need him to do something. Come on, Amber. You know what I'm talking about. She works at a preschool. She's thinking, come on now. do And it's, and it's just so simple. Just put your mat away. Because we're trying to teach them to obey. Because if they'll obey someone they see, then they're going to obey someone they don't see. But they get overcome with emotion. Right? Trying to wake them up because nap time's over. Okay, you with me? You all right? Can you handle this? My gosh, can you handle this? All right, good. All right, here we go. So with that being said... He goes on and says this, so we can live a lifestyle that's opposite of having uh, to live in disobedience. Okay? And so, he, if we abide in Him, well, if you're abiding in Him, then guess what? You're going to stay in His Word. You're going to keep His Word. You're going to obey His Word. That's what He means by abide. You, you dwell there. You live there. He who abides in Him. Now, you understand what we say in Him, we're obviously not inside Jesus. So, what are we abiding in? We're abiding in His Word. Because Jesus is the Word long before He was flesh, the Son of Man. And so when He tells us, man, if you're abiding in Me, then you're obeying what I'm saying. You're keeping My Word. Verse 7, little children, make sure that no one deceives you. The one who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. The one who practices sin is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. The Son of God appeared for this purpose to destroy the works of the devil. 
What are the devil's works? Well, it's to get you to disobey God. That's it. That's what he does. See, if he can get you to disobey what God says, then he causes you to walk in death. They say he, he comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Well, when you disobey the king, things are separated from you. So how does he get God to be separated from you? He gets you to believe what he says over what he says. The Lord says. That's why when he went to Eve, he says, as the Lord says, you can't eat of any fruit. Now, he don't even know. He's asking the question. So then she tells him what the Lord says. No, we can eat of any tree of the garden, but the tree uh, uh, in the middle of the garden, that is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, we can't eat of that tree for the day we eat it will tr- we'll surely die. And he says, oh, you won't die. See, now he knows what God says. So now I'm going to change it. Why? Because if I can get you to believe against what God says, then I'll cause you to sin. And since you'll be in sin, that will cause death to come to you. I'll steal something from you. I'll rob you from a benefit. From a position. But Jesus came to destroy this work. Meaning He put within us the spirit man who's capable of actually obeying God. Prior to this, our nature was not to obey God. We had a sinful nature. No one went after God. No, not one. We had no desire to do what God wants us to do. But when we get born again, He puts a new spirit on the inside of us. The Holy Spirit then bears witness with our spirit. We're children of God. And we want to obey God. And we want to do His Word. Amen? We want to do this. Hallelujah. And I'm telling you, no matter how inconvenient things are, no matter how much it causes us to move in certain levels of sacrifice, no matter how much it tells us to put our flesh down, we want our spirit man who abides in God, does not want to habitually practice disobeying God, but wants to do what God says. We will practice righteousness. We'll put on love. We'll walk in love. We'll walk in forgiveness. We'll believe the best in every situation, until the Lord tells us something differently. Amen? We'll do these things. I mean, we'll be hospitable to people. We'll walk in joy. We'll walk in peace. You understand what I'm saying? We'll walk in healing. Why? Because our spirit man wants to receive from God. We want to practice these things. Why? Because Jesus has destroyed the works of the devil. Verse 9. No one who was born of God practices sin. I'm telling you right now, when people say, don't judge me, I may not judge you, but your fruit is a testimony of where you're living. Your fruit is. Hallelujah. Can you handle things? Your fruit will determine that. Amen. Again, I, you know, the preschool. We have kids coming in and out. Uh, how, they tri- how they act towards our teachers will determine what's in them. Do they get frustrated quickly? Can they not handle that? Well, you know, they may have to walk in some peace. They may have to remember that the Word says that be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. I mean, if they're getting mad at the drop of a hat, you understand, there's something not right there. We need to make an adjustment. We need to get in the Word. I mean, life is going to try to pull something negative out of you, but if you're putting God in you, then it only pull godliness out, and you'll be the calm in the storm. Hallelujah. Because righteous people live a different lifestyle. They do. And we are to aspire to this. We are not to be practicers of sin. And if we're born of God, why would we want to entertain things that we know are against God? I mean, uh, children of God are not malicious gossips. Children of God are not haters of parents. Children of God are not self-seeking. Why? Because those attributes 
are practicing sin. They're against what God says. Children of God are not into immorality. They're not just shacking up with people. Why? Because they're not a practicer of these things. Because the Lord doesn't want us to be fornicators or adulterers or in a homosexual relationships. You understand what I'm saying? We can't be practicing something and saying we're children of God. Amen. Now, I understand there is growth associated with people. We recognize this. I want you to understand that. But you, as a child of God, your spirit man is to always do what you know God has already revealed to you. If He reveals something and now you know it, you ought to walk in it. You ought to walk in it. We are to not not walk in what we know. Hallelujah. No matter how we feel, no matter what the situation. If I know to put on love in a situation, I am to put it on. I am to be a practicer of it. Okay? So let's look at the next verse. Then he goes on and says this, or verse 9 again, No one who is born of God practices sin because his seed abides in him, and he cannot sin because he is born of God. By this the children of God and the children of the devil are obvious. Anyone who does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor the one who does not love his brother. Amen. So we see here that there's a way that we're supposed to live, and it's obvious. I mean, I love this out of John. John says it's obvious. It's obvious to know who is following God and is a practicer of the things of God or righteousness and who practices not. Come on now. I mean, if every time an ailment gets in your body and you constantly are saying, well, I'm sick, I'm not going to... And you know God's Word says by His stripes you were healed and you do no confession to try to put God, but you look for everything else, you know what? You're practicing something contrary. We need to change that. If every time you go to work and somebody, you know, is, is, is talking bad about you or something and you find yourself retaliating, guess what? You're practicing something God didn't say. You don't do that. Hallelujah. We've been delivered from all that. We walk another way. This is how the world can finally see light. I mean, if we act dark and say we're in the light, we're a liar. But if we walk in the light, then we are to act like we're in the light, and people ought to see the light. I like what Pastor Marcus said in our evangelism class this morning. If people at work are trying to witness to you, there's a problem. There's a problem. I mean, if somebody comes to you and says, well, do you go to church and... I mean, if you your lifestyle doesn't cause a person to want to say, they must go to church. Now, I understand there's some churches that that wouldn't be a good testimony. I know that. But you ought to reflect God. Amen. Turn over to Proverbs chapter 11. Proverbs chapter 11. Hallelujah. Listen, righteousness is just a way of life. It's a way of life for us uh, as believers. It's a way of life for us as children of God. I mean, how many of you want to be obedient as a child? I mean, you know, in the natural, being disobedient wasn't the greatest thing on the face of the planet, especially in the times we were raised. Amen? I mean, you didn't do something right, you know what? The belts come off. Uh, the switches, I mean, branches come off trees. Hallelujah. Now, my parents weren't like Herbert's. Uh, I remember he told me his aunt used to get a hold of him with a water hose. Dude, you know that didn't feel good. You know that didn't feel good at all. Don't be shocked. But yeah, water hose. Amen? Now, I'm not telling you to use one at all. But my point is, is that, you know what, there's a time that, you know what, that people went that way. Now, you know, don't even touch them, you know. It's almost like don't ask, don't tell the kid, you know. Don't say nothing to your kid. they got to figure it out for their own. I mean, it's happy you put them in a room and say, well, let's just see if you can learn how to grow up one day. They'll never learn how to grow up. They are to be trained in the way of righteousness. Amen? 
Okay, Proverbs chapter 11, verse 31 says this, If the righteous will be rewarded in the earth, how much more the wicked and the sinner? Amen? How much more? So here's the thing. If the righteous will be rewarded where? Come on, where? Righteousness is not a reward we receive after we die. Righteousness doesn't pay off in the afterlife. Righteousness has a reward right here on the planet. Do you see me? Righteousness has a payoff right here. Glory to God, man. I'm excited about that. Because, you know, a lot of times, you know, the devil tries to get in your head and say, well, I do it right anyway. I mean, you know, what's that, Matt? I mean, look at all these people. They don't have to do anything. I mean, they live the worst. It seems like nothing's wrong with them. I mean, they have the nicest cars. They have the nicest houses. I mean, they go on the best vacations. They're always at like they're having fun. And you know what? And here you are. You're doing all this stuff to try to follow God. And what good is it to you? No, let me tell you something. The righteous will be rewarded in the earth and the wicked as well. And the wicked's going to get their pay. Come on now. The wicked get their pay. And then start showing up in their bodies. It will show up in their lifestyle. I'm telling you, you live righteous. You don't contaminate your body with all kinds of chemicals because, you know, um, those people are subject. You know, they are, uh, those, the, the um, substances have is master over them. I mean, they're running to the nicotine, you know, one minister calls it a cancerette. You know, um, you know, they run into the bottle and, and then it starts to show up all over their body, lines. I mean, it starts showing up in their skin. Why? Because they're putting poison in there. Eventually it's going to show up. And so you don't want to sow to those things. You want to sow to the things of God. But there is a reward here on the earth. Now turn over to Proverbs chapter 2. Proverbs chapter 2. There is great reward to live righteous. Amen. Amen. Listen, God is on the throne. Do you believe that? Come on, do you believe he's on the throne? And he's not, a, he's not an idiot, number one. Number two, he's not blind. He sees righteousness. And the church has got to rise up and realize that righteousness is the right way to live. Amen? But yet, sometimes the church wants to turn and not talk about things because we don't offend nothing. Well, listen, it's not about offense. It's about getting the most in the earth because righteousness causes the heavenly realm to impact the earthly realm. Amen. Don't be deceived at the things that the world can offer, because in the end it's still death. But the Lord will transfer all the world things over to you, if you'll be righteous. Hallelujah. Amen. I mean, uh, Moses is the greatest example of this. He said in Hebrews that he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter and, the, and, and received from the riches and the pleasures of Egypt but wanted to be with his own people, that is, the, 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 uh, the, the nation of God, and be equated with God. So when he could have had all those things as a prince in Egypt, but lived a less of a life that would have ended in death and destruction, he comes back as a leader of a nation and delivered all of Israel out and took all of Egypt with him. Amen. And can you imagine him if he's out on the desert with all them sheep thinking, well, man, where am I at? People have these conversations in their mind. I can't believe this. I'm out here in this hot sun and it's so hot. Look at all these nasty old sheep out here. You know, I stay up all night. I'm having to watch over them, you know, take care of them. I mean, I used to be in a palace. See? I mean, the devil start playing with you. 
All the while, He's preparing him for greatness. Hallelujah. Man, you don't want to get out of God's timing. I mean, what may look like you stuck in a field running a bunch of sheep is only in preparation for you to bring a mother load of wealth to a group of people. Hallelujah. Wow, we want to obey God. And thank God Moses, man, when he saw the burning bush, he turned aside, talked to the Lord, and from there, you know, was able to go on and go right to Pharaoh and later on lead them all out. Hallelujah. Amen. Okay. Proverbs chapter 2, verse 20 says this. It says, So you will walk in the way of good men and keep to the paths of righteousness. There are paths of righteousness, meaning... There are things that are God's going to say to you along the way. Do you understand? The minute you get on the path, doesn't mean you can't get off it. Okay? Because the steps of a righteous man are ordered of the Lord. And you first got on when you heard this message. Jesus Christ died on the cross, rose from the grave, made payment for your sin. If you will believe with your heart and confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, you'll be saved. The minute you acted on that word, it put you in the kingdom and gave you access to righteousness. You became a new child of God. The Holy Ghost came and lived on the inside of you. The new spirit man is recreated in the likeness of God. The old that was in rebellion to the kingdom passed away. Hallelujah. From here, now you start a path. That along the way, the Lord is going to direct these steps and talk to you and give you His Word so that you can do everything. He's a lamp unto our feet. See, we don't like lamps. What we like is lights. We don't like lamps because lamps only cast so far, which means there's still something out there you don't know. You know, we want to get born again and know everything. But you know what? We can't know everything. Because if we knew half the things that we were going to go through, we'd probably say, oh, I ain't in it for this. I ain't in it for this. Because you got to understand, God is smart. He's taken a self-centered, self-righteous, self-seeking individual and turning them into a selfless searcher of God in the Spirit, but their mind has to be renewed. Can you see a, a person who constantly is thinking about themselves, only what they want, what they want to do, it's all about me, come into a place to where on the inside they change, but they're thinking still the same way, and the Lord shows them all the persecution of people going to stab them in the back, people going to do them wrong, who's going to come after them because they're in the kingdom now. How many think would stay? I mean, they'd be like, no, that ain't for me. Why? Because they're thinking still, it's all about me. It's only what I want. But as they get their mind renewed on this path, then when times come and the Lord said, now listen, I know that's happening, but you just trust in me. Come on now. I mean, here you are going along, it's all great, and all of a sudden, whoo, what is that? Lord. And he said, now this is what I need you to do in this situation, in this circumstance. Trust me. Now, Lord, now I've been preparing you all this time behind, all this preparation, you got this. The Lord, he'll not allow you to get into any type of temptation that's common to man that he won't give you a way of escape. He'll deliver you. Amen? But we've got to trust him. Trust the Lord with all of our heart and all of our mind and lean on our own understanding, but in all our ways acknowledge Him and He'll make our what? Path straight. 
So here's a few things I want to talk to you about real quick. The way of, the way of life or the benefits of righteousness. The first thing that you can recognize when you are a righteous person, you have a confident foundation. I mean, there's nothing more uh, important for you to have a firm and confident foundation. Okay? Look at this in uh, Psalms 55, verse 22. Psalms 55, verse 22 says this, Cast your burdens upon the Lord. He will sustain you. He will never allow the righteous to be shaken. Come on, man. Isn't that good news now? I'm telling you, you want to be righteous. You want to believe God and follow God. You want to be exactly where God has ordained you to be. Amen? Amen. I know I've, I've, I've talked with Pastor Marcus before, and we've had conversations. Where would he be if he had not obeyed God in some of the things that God's called him to? What if he'd have went a different road? What if he'd have made a different decision? I've talked with Pastor Mark one time when he was thinking about going back to Texas after he was here for, I don't know, maybe 18 months. And we asked, where would you be if you had done that? Amen. Where would you be if you hadn't have been on a place where you said, you know what, I'm not going to be shaken. I'm going to make this stand. I'm going to believe God. And I'm going to continue to press this thing. And then when you're righteous, you can cast your burden on the Lord. You can, He will sustain you and He'll never allow you to be shaken. I'm telling you, I don't care what storm comes your way. The Lord will allow you to stand. Unlike, you know, the, the devastation we've seen in Joplin, you know, and some of these other storms and in Alabama, you know, and, and obviously we're going to have to start speaking over hurricanes right now. We've got to speak to the storm systems today. You understand what I'm talking about? We don't want them all running up the coast, flying up through Florida and Georgia. Amen. You know, we're going to talk to those things. Why? Because we have dominion. We have dominion. We may have to do some prayer meetings at the beach and start talking to the oceans out there. Amen. Not come near our dwelling. But I'm telling you right now that the righteous, will, He'll never allow them to be shaken. we got to be knowing that we got a firm foundation, man, no matter what comes against us. So when those storms blew through Joplin, if they had come across a God house, you know, now while I'm just typing shadow, it couldn't, have ran, it couldn't have rocked it. It could not have destroyed it. The Lord will stand in the midst of it. Amen? Look at Proverbs 10, uh, 30. Proverbs chapter 10, 30. When you live a righteous life, benefits of this righteousness is that you'll have a confident foundation. Proverbs chapter 10 and verse 3 says this, the righteous will never be shaken. You see that? Oh, that's powerful. But the wicked will not dwell in the land. Do you understand that the Lord will reward righteous people before unrighteous are going to be rewarded? Now, what I mean by that is the Lord, if you just stay your course, the Lord will drive out wickedness. I mean, why did, the Lord, why did the Lord have an opportunity to bring the Israelites out of Egypt into the promised land? Because the land was being polluted by sin. And the Lord said at one time, He even told Abraham long before, um, you know, they got, became captives in, in Egypt. He said, there's going to come a day that the, the sins of these people group, the, Amor, uh, the uh, Amorites and the uh, Hittites and the yada yadaites, all those people, he says, there's going to come a day when their sin is going to come that the land is going to cast them out. And he gave him the ability to go in and dispossess them to put a holy nation on the property. Amen. The righteous will never be shaken. Isn't that powerful? 
I'm telling you, that's good news, man. That gets you excited. I mean, I, I, I'm going to be a righteous person. Christ has made me. I'm in the righteousness. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I cannot be shaken. I mean, you hear people today, man, they are all over the place. I love the testimony Pastor Mike had when he went and done a, um, a, um, uh, had a physical done. They went and tested his blood pressure, which was fine, but the, the nurse was blown away and says, wow, your resting heartbeat is 48 beats per minute. That's unheard of in today's society. Why? Because the righteous can't be shaken. The righteous will rest, will have peace, because they have a king. Amen? All right, the next thing you need to understand that's a benefit of this way of life of righteousness is you'll have constant deliverance. You'll have constant deliverance. Look at this in Psalms 34. Whoo, this is good news, man. Whoo, this is good news. Glory to God. Psalms 34, verse 25, I mean, 34, 19 says this. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted. Right? That's verse 18. Drop down to 19. Many are the affliction of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Now, see, he didn't say that you would be born again and all of a sudden you would follow the yellow brick road, so to speak, you know, and this, this, this gold paved road with rose petals and you're just perfect. I mean, life's just the grandest thing on the face of the planet. Well, it is in the Spirit. But you will have things come against you. There will be trials and tribulations. He says, many are the afflictions of the righteous. Things will come against them, but the Lord. Come on, who? The Lord. Who is He? He's the Lord. He's supreme in authority. He will deliver. What will He do? But the Lord delivers. Does He deliver? It doesn't say He can. He might if He's on a good day. But, you know, you might be the the stepchild that nobody cares about, the black sheep of the family. There are no black sheep of the family in the family of God. There are righteous people. Now, there may be some carnal Christians, and that's hindering their righteous flow. But there's no black sheep. Okay? But the Lord delivered him out of how many of them? Half of them? Three quarters? I mean, you ought to be just excited with 99.9%, like they have on their little, you know, uh, uh, kills 99.9%. I mean, if we just get through life with 99.9%, no, he says out of them all. God is 100% in deliverance. He has no problem with bringing deliverance. Constant deliverance for the righteous. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 8 says this. Proverbs 11, 8 says, The righteous is delivered from trouble, but the wicked takes his place. Woo! Talking about a transfer. Trouble comes to you, and the Lord delivers you and puts the wicked in your place. Now, this is a great example when it came to Mordecai. Mordecai is a righteous man, but Haman hated him and wanted him dead. And so he developed, he, he had him build a gallow for him to have him hung. And he, all he wanted to do was kill all the Jews, got the, the, um, king to sign a decree that they would all be, uh, killed on one particular day. So Esther, you know, fasts for three days for this nation, goes before the king uninvited, and she could die doing so, but gains his approval. She has dinner for him and Haman. Haman so lifted up in pride thinking, I am the one going between the, with the king and the queen, man. And so she has this dinner. Lo and behold, she throws out the whole plan to him that this man 
And he's so mad, he walks off, he's thinking, and the guy comes and lays all over Esther begging for his life. The king comes back in thinking he's trying to have his way with his queen, and now he's really upset. So the gallows that were set for Mordecai, Haman hung on. Why? The righteous is delivered from trouble, but the wicked takes his place. Hallelujah. You understand, that's why in the office, you don't have to be concerned about wicked people. You don't have to be concerned about them climbing up the ladder because of the things they do to get there. All you've got to do is be righteous. Righteous. There's benefit. There's constant deliverance with the righteous. Amen? Let's look at the next thing. The third thing that you can talk about or you understand as the benefit of righteousness is this. Abundant provision. Abundant provision. Provision is important. Psalms 37. Psalms chapter 37, verse 25. I love this verse. I love this verse. This is good. And we saw some new insight on this verse just recently out of our Kingdom Crusade down in St. Augustine. He says, I have been young and now I am old. King David said this. Yet I have not seen the righteous, what? Forsaken or his descendants or children begging bread. That word begging, we had to learn a new word there. Because when we think of begging, a lot of times we think of homeless people on the side of a road, possibly with a sign saying, well, we work for food, or I'm hungry, you know, anything. And we think of that. Or somebody doesn't have something, so in essence, when someone gives it to them, they're begging. You hear people all the time, and they're probably, I ain't going to beg for nothing. Well, he says that his descendants will not be begging for bread. This word beg means to seek after. It really takes on this, that the righteous don't have to seek after things because the righteous just seek righteousness. And the things are added to them. That when a descendant of righteousness doesn't have to go try to make his own way, he just keeps seeking the kingdom and their righteousness, and the way will make itself to him. That's what he's saying. He's saying the righteous ain't trying to figure out how to add to themselves. The righteous aren't forsaken by God. He provides. That's why it was very important for us to understand that Jesus made this comment. Jesus said himself. He said, I'll never what? Leave you nor... This is important. Jesus will not do this. Then on top of that, he said this, I'll not leave you as orphans. What is an orphan? An orphan is someone... Who's, who, who's somebody's child where the parents are not legally taking responsibility for them and allow somebody else as a parent to care for them. And Jesus said, I won't leave you as orphans. In essence, he's saying this, I won't let the world take care of you. I can take care of my own. He's not asking you to get in a world system in order to be taken care of. He wants you to stay in His kingdom system and let Him take care of His own kids. He does this. Amen. This is a, there's abundant provision. He never forsakes the righteous. He does not do this. He said, he said, look, I'm young and I'm old. This is David, man. He's seen a lot. But he said, this is one thing I know. I've not seen the righteous forsaken. And you understand... He's talking about himself. Now, we understand he had an unrighteous act, you know, and people want to look at that. But David did way more righteous things than he did unrighteous. I mean, come on. Let's just quit going to the one story and let's look at all the big stories that uh, attribute to his righteousness. 
I mean, can you imagine the righteous David standing on the battlefield with Goliath saying, No, you're an uncircumcised Philistine. <laughs> you come to me with a sword and spear, but I come to you what? In the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. And that righteousness overcame. And that righteousness overcame army after army after army. And provision, and provision, and provision. And even when he did fail, and he repented, then the Lord was still just to him. Amen? Hallelujah. And I'm telling you, David was so righteous that if you read in the, in the Old Testament, all the kings preceding him that came out of his line, you'll hear statements, no matter how bad these kings were, for generations to come. He would say this. He would, they would, he would say, man, I could judge the house of David, but for the sake of my servant David, I won't do it. His name carried so much weight. His righteous lifestyle carried so much weight that it went generation to generation to generation and held judgment off the house. Wow. Wow. And here's his descendants not begging for bread because of his righteousness, you know, hundreds of years earlier. Wow. Wow, there's abundant provision. All right, Proverbs 15.6 says this, Great wealth is in the house of the righteous. But trouble is the income of the wicked. Proverbs 15.6 Great wealth is in the house of the righteous, but trouble is, in, is the income of the wicked. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Isn't that good news? I mean, now when we say wealth, we're not just talking financial money either, okay? We're talking about um, provision, what's necessary, what you need, okay? But that means the Lord brings provision. And you understand, wealth comes with what you need. Too often we think, Finance only when we think of wealth. But you understand, wealth is abundant provision when you need it. I mean, again, we've said this already here on multiple times. Elijah goes to the widow woman, and financially she has nothing. Materially she has nothing. But he has a word from God. And Elijah's righteous. And she acts on that word, and then all of a sudden wealth showed up in her barrel. Amen. The woman whose, de- whose husband died and her two boys are fixing to be sold off as slaves for the debt, she goes to the prophet Elisha and he says, what do you have? And she says, I just got a small uh, jar of oil. He says, go back, go to your neighbors, get a bunch of pots, not just a few, take your sons, lock yourself in. Why? Because great wealth is in the house of the righteous. Come on now. And so she did exactly what the Word said. Why? Because that's righteousness. Righteousness is obeying the Word. So the prophet hears from God, communicates to her what to do. She acted on that Word, got a bunch of pots, they shut themselves in, and when they shut the door, that's all the provision is for what they have prepared for, what they were expecting. See, faith comes by hearing and hearing from the Word of God. But now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Hope is a confident expectation. So she received based upon what she expected. And so the more pots she has, the greater her expectation. The less pots, the, le- the lesser of her expectations. She got exactly what she expected. And so when they started bringing the first pot, she poured. And it filled up. And then she went to the next one and kept going until she had enough not only to pay off the debt, but live on the rest. Hallelujah. Isn't that good news? Amen. Because the righteous will always have abundant provision. Too often we just look to money when we need to say, Now, Lord, what do you need me to pray over, believe you for, that you'd even multiply? Hallelujah. 
Amen? I mean, sometimes our grocery bills are pretty, pretty uh, up there, unless we got coupon people. All right? But you understand? I mean, uh, you know, when you budget for your food a lot of times, I mean, that thing could be a lot. Well, what if you could get your loaf of bread to actually multiply and you don't need another loaf of bread for a month? We don't think this way because typically we just think, well, okay, hey, here, uh, Pastor Mark, can you go down to the store and give me some bread? Amen. No, we're, we're not, a lot of times we're not being sensitive to the Spirit enough or even asking. Have not because you ask not. Now, Lord, I, you know what? I know you want me to have great provision. I know because I'm righteous. So, do I need to talk to some of this food up in here so that I don't actually have any grocery bills this month? Because you know what? If I could just save that grocery money, I'd get some things paid off. Instead of working a second job, maybe we need to just believe God that the bread doesn't run out. Okay. I mean, I'm just trying to change our thinking a little bit. Okay. The next thing we need to see, the benefit of righteousness, is this. Here's the one, two, three, fourth one. Renewed gladness. We'd be happy people. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? We should be the happiest people on the face of the planet. Because we're righteous. Amen. It says the righteous man will be glad in the Lord and will take refuge in Him. And all the upright in heart will glory. Psalm 64.10. Do you see this? The righteous man will be what? He'll be glad. Amen. Do you understand? There's really no problem for the righteous man. Because the Lord will deliver you out of any problem you have. Well, that make you happy. That gets you full of joy. That gets you excited. Amen. I mean, the Lord's in deliverance. Uh, we're down in St. Augustine. We put in for a building permit. You know, we're trying to remodel our church. Well, you know, I, I got multiple people that I have to deal with in this free country of ours so that I can, you know, uh, do what's necessary. And so um, our contractor got a call from the county, and they said, Hey, uh, you've had no activity on your building permit for six months. Has it been six months? And so, well, okay. Well, the problem is, is that the leaser of... Um, where we're at down there, they have to approve all the plans. Well, they have our plans. Well, the county's approved them. We could go to work, but we can't go to work because the owner of the building's got to release and then give us a notice of commencement saying, go ahead and do the work. We have approved all your plans. Well, they hadn't done it. So when that took place, the next thing you know, fire kicked back in. And fire code says, hold on a minute now. We know you're in a theater, but you're getting a change of use to a Church. Well, the occupancy is the same because they're assemblies. Hallelujah. Thank God for that. But they said your permit is also for a change of use. And, you know, you're already meeting there. And, man, we need to, you know, I'd hate to have to put you out. Well, hallelujah. That just make you want to just cry, right? No. We rejoice. Lord, I'm righteous. And you know what? I'm not moved by this. So, you know, I talked to the guy. And you know, we're having a great conversation. Just so happened he got a 2011 Jeep Wrangler. Hallelujah. So we got to talk about Jeeps for a little bit. And it's the greatest guy. And he said, okay, you know, uh, you know, we just won't come in and do a walkthrough. No problem. I said, the system's running as it is, you know. I mean, what system's there? The sprinkler will pop off if something goes on. I said, but you know, we're doing, uh, fire watches anyway. Okay? So I said, well, yeah, that, you know, that's good because there's one church, you know, that we have had them bring our own guys in. Okay, hey, if i got to pay somebody to come do a walkthrough, you know, whatever, that's fine. And he said, well, you know, after you talk to the new fire chief, all right, um, and I keep doing that because Kenny works for the fire department, so he understands everything that's going on. 
And um, so uh, they said, well, we want to come in. I said, well, let's do it Wednesday. Because I got some meetings Tuesday and then I can walk around with you. Hallelujah. Well, now, you know, we have that. Another opportunity that the devil would love to get us displaced. But you know what am I going to do about it? I'm going to rejoice. I'm going to be glad because I'm a righteous man. Hallelujah. It's okay. It's all good. And you know what's sitting on my laptop right now? All of the whole story, the lease are saying, you can do all your projects now. Well, praise the Lord. Amen. So that gives us a go to start ripping some concrete out, man. Let's level them floors. Let's finish this job. Amen. Let's hang some sheetrock, baby. That's what I'm talking about. I'm telling you, we're excited about what God's doing everywhere. But, you know, you're going to have obstacles. But the good news is, is the righteous man will be glad. Now, I'm telling you right now, I, there's days, man, you don't feel glad. I mean, there's days that sometimes you're thinking, my gosh, man, you better get, I got to get along because I'm feeling not so happy. But I better go find myself happy. I got to remind myself, you know, there's a benefit for being righteous and I'm going to be glad in the Lord. Because you know what? This trouble, I'm going to be delivered out of. Amen. We'll be delivered out of this thing. Hallelujah. That's a benefit of righteousness. Proverbs chapter 10 verse 28 says this, the hope of the righteous is gladness, but the expectation of the wicked perishes. Now, why have I been doing some of these types and shadows or these scriptures that do the righteous versus the wicked? I just want to remind you that, listen, I don't care what the wicked looks like, they don't have what righteous has. I don't care how great it looks. I mean, my gosh, man. I mean, I'm telling you, in the commercials, make it look like they got the greatest lifestyles, you know. They get on the subway, it's burning hot, they pull their little cores light out, and here comes the train, you know, and everybody's on the train, having a good time. No, they're not. No, they're not. Their expectation is perishing. If they're living a lifestyle contrary, if their lifestyle is a practicer of lawlessness, their end is destruction. We have hope. We're righteous people. We're better because He's the greatest. And anyone can live righteous if they live it. Amen. So, you know, when we say better, it doesn't mean you're no good, I'm, I'm better than you. It means I live a better lifestyle because I choose to obey God's Word. And if you don't, I mean, when the economy collapsed in 2008, it hurt a lot of people who had finances invested. A lot of people didn't, now a lot of people didn't have any kind of investments like that. It didn't bother them at all. They didn't feel nothing. But there are those people on paper that said they were worth this amount, and next thing you know, somewhere it was erased. Because why? Somebody's moved by emotion. Somebody got fearful. Somebody got scared. Somebody got, and everything changed. Oh, but the righteous don't live in that kind of system. Why? Because God didn't give us the spirit of fear, but of power and love and of sound mind. I'm telling you, as the day draws nearer to the end, the more the unrighteous is out there, the righteous has got to shine. I mean, I'm telling you, you are created for such a time as this, which means you're in a time of great uncertainty, and the world needs somebody that's strong and stable, that can stand in the midst of the storm. And that's what God's church is going to look like. Any church that does not push righteousness and right living will not stand in the last days. It won't happen. But those who will hear God's voice, hear His Word, act on His Word, and become a practicer of righteousness will be righteous, will not be abandoned, will be delivered, will have abundant provision, and be happy. They'd be happy people. And they'd be like, my gosh, man, 
you, I mean, if a storm hit your stuff, even hypothetically, you could still laugh and say, that's alright, my God's got this, and still be happy and full of joy. Yeah. Amen. Not be moved by anything. Glory to God. Okay. The next thing you can, uh, you can expect, um, as a righteous person is a pr- powerful prayer life. James chapter 5. The Amplified says it this way at the end. The earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic, in its working. Amen? You can expect to have a powerful prayer life. Abraham believed God, it says in Romans chapter 4, and it was credited to him as righteousness. If we will be a believer of God's Word, then when we talk to Him, our prayers are effectual or effective. And they make tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. I'm telling you right now, God is just looking for a righteous man, a righteous woman to believe in. And He'll move earth and get heaven to you. That's why Jesus said, when you pray, pray this way. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom, what? Thy will be done on as it is in heaven. People who act, have access to heaven are righteous people. Because the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom. But the righteous will inherit the kingdom. And that's not when we get there. That's now. Because there's a reward for the righteous. Where? In the earth. Right now. Okay? And the last thing is this. A benefit of righteousness, walking in this way of life, man, because why we're going to be people who seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, is unchallenged wisdom. Unchallenged wisdom. If you'll be righteous, you'll receive things that will blow people away because you tap into a realm that they don't have access to. Psalms 37, verse 30, the beginning of this Uh, Verse says this. It says, The mouth of the righteous utters wisdom. You see this? The mouth of the righteous utters wisdom. Let me go ahead and read the rest of it. It says, And his tongue speaks justice. Verse 31 says, The law of his God is in his heart. His steps do not slip. I mean, when you're connected in righteousness, and listen, righteousness is not salvation. They're two separate things. Righteousness is simply obeying God. That's why old covenant people could live righteously, though not be saved, though not have salvation. How can, how, why were there righteous dead? Why did Jesus lead a, a, a host of a captivity captive out? Why was there an Abraham's bosom? Because those people believed God would believe that He was their Savior and their King and their Deliverer, believed Him at His Word, and when they came out of their skin suit, they went to paradise waiting for the payment of sin to come later on. And it did. That's why when Jesus came out, the graves opened up. Hallelujah. The righteous dead left the grave. Because, see, Abraham did not have salvation, but he had righteousness. That's why Joseph had unchallenged wisdom. 
Because Joseph obeyed his dad, Jacob, Israel. And when it came to the affairs of business, he was righteous. And his dad loved him because he was from the wife that he loved the most and gave him that coat of many colors, but he ran the business right. And as a result of that, he would send him to his brothers to make sure business was right. Now, his brothers didn't like him. Remember, they grabbed him and ended up selling him. And he gets sold as a slave, but he was righteous with another man's property. He did it right, and he caught, and it was increased. I mean, this man said, this guy is intelligent. He, here, he's not even born of Egypt. This is his slave, but he's made him manager over all this stuff. Why? Because he had unchallenged wisdom. He was righteous. Out of his mouth uttered such wisdom on how to manage the affairs of things. Then he's wrongly accused of, of, of raping his wife and thrown into prison. But he maintains his what? Righteousness. That after he does a term in prison, he, he interprets a couple of dreams. Two years after that interpretation, Pharaoh gets a, a dream. And then they call Joseph out of prison. And he interprets the dream for Pharaoh. Why? I mean, Pharaoh's had all of his wisest men. I mean, everybody that's degreed in the land cannot interpret the dream. And what does he do? He interprets it correctly. Then he says this, find yourself a man and do these steps. He's not even saying, I'll do it. He said, fine. He said, now, I, I got the answer to that if you hire me. See, he wants self-seeking. And he told him a whole plan. And you know what the Pharaoh said? He says, there's none wise like you. Daniel did the same thing. Daniel was righteous. And all of a sudden, Nebuchadnezzar has a dream. And he calls his wise people in. He says, I had a dream and it's bothered me. And I want you to interpret it. They said, well, tell us a dream. He said, no, 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 no. I know you guys. I tell you a dream. You give me some hokey pokey little stuff. And I'm not going to know if that's really it or not. So if you, you tell me what I dreamed and then interpret it. And they're like, no, man, there's no way we can do that. He said, you do it, I kill you, all of you. I'm going to kill you all. Now, Daniel hears this, and this, this affects him and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and some others. And so he went to prayer and said, tell him that I'll pray. And he prayed and came back, and he knew the dream and then interpreted it. He had unchallenged wisdom. Why? Because he's righteous. I mean, you want to really excel in the world? Be righteous. The Lord will give you ideas and things about where you're at, your place of business, all kind of stuff that will cause all kind of things to change. This is available to the righteous. And the last scripture is this, Proverbs 10.31. It says, The mouth of the righteous flows with wisdom, but the perverted tongue will be cut out. It'll be cut out. Oh, we got to watch what we say. No, we're going to have wisdom flowing from us. Why? Because we're righteous people. I mean, don't let people say, oh, you don't, have no, you don't have a college degree. You don't know. Don't do that. Don't even, no, don't even look, think that way. Don't even think that way. And if you have a degree, don't think that you're so smart. If we know anything, it's because the Lord has revealed us something. We want to be, we want to be learners of the Spirit of God and let Him teach us spiritual truths. I don't lean back on a degree. Amen? We shouldn't lean back on a degree. We should lean back on the Lord and His Word. And as a result of that, He opens doors and opportunities. I mean, I remember a guy when I was in Stark. He, uh, he had no formal education at all. I mean, I think he had a GED. And he was just serving God, him and his wife. 
And he ended up getting out on a little uh, juvenile, uh, working as a guard at a juvenile camp. And, and he purposed to bring them to church. And he'd bring the five best boys. They could either go to a movie or go to church. And he talked to them about how great the youth ministry was. And they said, you know, they'd show up. They had to unanimously say, I don't want to see a movie. I'd rather go there. And they did. Now, obviously, having girls in the youth ministry was uh, effective as well. But the point is, he encouraged it. Well, from there, he got another camp to start coming. Well, then a, a, a promotion came up, and it required a degree. This guy's got a GED. And the Lord said, put in for it. He did and got the job. Why? Because the way he answered questions, though he had no formal education to back the position, he had wisdom by the Spirit and was hired. Amen. This is important. Because where God needs to place you, He's not going to let the world standards stop you from getting where you need to be. I mean, the whole world will collapse just so you can show up and bring that wisdom. Amen? Do you understand, just because the economy right now seems tough, rejoice. Because the Lord could just be raising up a righteous man or woman to step in before the President and say, now if you do this, Change the whole course. Put re-emphasis to where the leader says, your God is the true and living God. The Lord don't have a problem with this. I mean, if a world wants to run away from Him, go ahead. Because when it starts to fall, then I'm going to bring someone who believes in me and I'll communicate them unchallenged wisdom and it'll put them to a place just like Nebuchadnezzar, just like your God is the true and living God. Hallelujah. This is the benefits of righteousness. Amen? So we can have a confident foundation. We have constant deliverance. We have abundant provision. We have renewed gladness. We have a powerful prayer life. And we have unchallenged wisdom. Why? Because we live righteously. Amen. Isn't that good news? Let's pray. Father, we love you and we honor you. We thank you for the Word of God tonight. We thank you.